1 Samuel chapter 1, verse, verse number 1 says this. There was a man named Akana who lived in Ramah, the village, or in the region of Zuf, in the hill country of Ephraim. He was a son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah did not have any. I want to talk to you about waiting for a new beginning. Waiting for a new beginning. Uh, Hannah's not a well-known character in the Bible. She's not well-known like David or like Daniel or Moses or Noah. But she was a very prominent person in Scripture when we look at her story and we look at how that she was willing to wait on God and trust in God and that she prayed a prayer in faith for God to give her a child and then how she came and gave that child back to the Lord. Waiting for a new beginning. You know, the first thing I want to talk to you about is this. Waiting is not a big deal as long as you're not the one waiting. But if you're the one waiting, it's a big deal. It's very important. Last Thursday, I don't know if you've talked to Debbie today. She's here this morning. But last Thursday afternoon, Debbie had the pleasure of slamming her hand in the van, in the sliding door of the van. And uh, so we took her immediately. I thought she'd broke the way she had her arm. I thought she had shattered her arm. She said, Bob, I think I cut my finger off. And so we quickly wrapped it up and took her to the hospital, took her to the emergency room, and uh, we sat there in the waiting room or the emergency room for like probably 90 minutes in the waiting room. And then after that, we, uh, they took us to, get this, they took us to Fast ER. You ever been to Fast ER at the university? They took us to a place called Fast ER. We sat there for another 90 minutes. And she had no pain medication whatsoever. She's in excruciating pain. Her hands throbbing. And then after three hours, they finally started working on it. And five different doctors came in and worked on her hand. I told her, I said, babe, this is going to cost more than your first cesarean in seven days in the hospital. That's right. That's right. And uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm seeing the, it's, it's like the national debt register. It just won't stop. You know, all the money that they're spending. And so they started working on it, and then they'd work on it a little bit, and then they'd leave, and another doctor come, and they'd work on it a little bit longer, and another doctor, and they'd back. And so then finally, after like six hours, we were finally, I sent a message to the kids. I was telling them, and I said, they were just about done. I said, we'll probably be out here in an hour, you know. And then, so finally, we went home. But, you know, waiting is not a big deal. Waiting really, I mean, I was in pain because my wife was hurting, all right? But waiting is not a big deal if, as long as you're not waiting. But when we're waiting, it means everything. And I understand that our life is full of waiting because we're waiting at the movie theater, we're waiting in line. We're waiting at the concession stand. We're waiting at the theme park. We're waiting at the grocery store. We're waiting at the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles. We're constantly in this place of waiting. We're waiting at, 
airport security, trying to get through TSA. We're waiting. We find ourselves in this position of waiting. We're waiting for our turn. There's a lot of you today, and you're waiting for your time. There are many of you that are sitting in this room today or people that's watching online, and you're waiting for your breakthrough. You're waiting for your moment. You're waiting for your new beginning. Now, let's talk about this story in 1 Samuel chapter 1. The Bible says this. There was a guy in the name of Elkanah, and he had two wives. One of them was Paneah, and the other one was Hannah. Paneah had children, and Hannah did not. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And so every single year, here's what they would do. They would go to the tabernacle. They did not have a permanent temple built, but they would go to the tabernacle, this portable tent, if you will, and they would go there to Shiloh to offer their annual sacrifices. And this was a very difficult time for Hannah because part of the annual sacrifice was a sacrificial meal. And the Bible says this, if you go on and read in 1 Samuel chapter 1, that Elkanah would actually give Pania, the, the wife with children, he would give her multiple portions of the best part of the meat, of the sacrificial meat. But he would only give Hannah only one portion of that. Now this should have been a time of joy for Hannah, but Hannah had a big problem. And I know it sounds a little bit weird, it's a little bit freaky, to imagine a man with more than one wife. You know, anyone ever see this show, Sister Wives? I don't watch it because it's too weird, okay? If, that freaks me out to think about one man having more than one wife. I don't, you know. But during that time in history, in that, that part of the world, in that culture, it was, it was not unusual for a man to have multiple wives. Well, Elkanah had two wives. One of them, Penea, had children. She was able to conceive and have children. His other wife, Hannah, did not have children. And the difficulty was this. It should have been a time of joy for Hannah to go to, the, to, go to Shiloh to offer the annual sacrifice and to have this celebratory meal, this sacrificial meal. But what the problem was, the other wife would make fun of Hannah. And I was thinking about this. Penea was kind of like the first, one of the first, not the first, but one of the first mean girls. <laughs> she was horrible. She's laughing. She's making fun of Hannah because she could not have children. And this didn't happen once, but the Bible says this happened year after year after year that Penea would laugh at Hannah and she would taunt her. And Al Elkanah would try to comfort Hannah and he would tell Hannah, he'd say, listen, honey, he said, being married to me is better than having 10 sons. That's easy for him to say. You know why? Because waiting is not a big deal unless you're the one that's waiting. And she was waiting on her time. She was waiting on her, her new beginning. She was waiting on her breakthrough in her life. Waiting is not a big deal unless you're the one who finds yourself waiting. Secondly, my second point is this. You've got to ignore Pania. Because every one of us has had to deal with Pania. There are people that we meet that we say, you know, that person isn't a nice person. They really don't deserve all those blessings 
They really don't deserve all those good things that have happened in their life. And God, when is my time coming? And not only that, but Pania is laughing and Pania is taunting and Pania is making fun. But you've got to learn to just ignore Pania. You can pray for Pania, but you've got to ignore her. She has the blessing that we hope for. And yet it seems like our blessing, our breakthrough, our new beginning is never going to arrive. And yet Pania keeps insulting and adding misery to Hannah's pain. You gotta ignore Pania because Pania will steal your dream and Pania will steal your hope and Pania will steal your joy. And if she can, she'll steal your, your future. You gotta ignore Pania because every one of us will meet our Pania. But what the difficulty is, human nature, we wanna argue with Pania. We wanna get in a fist fight with Pania. We want to bust Pania in the mouth. But that's not God's will. You've got to ignore Pania. Because even if you do strike her, you're not going to have any peace or joy from that. You're not going to have any contentment. You've got to ignore Pania. You know, the devil will continually taunt us and laugh at us. The devil says God has forgotten you. The devil says God doesn't love you. You've been faithful but someone else gets all of the blessings. And we got to be careful that we don't entertain that kind of a spirit because that spirit will lead to covet, coveting in our life. And coveting is actually, it's one of the Ten Commandments where the Lord says, thou shalt not covet someone else's land or house or wife or whatever the case may be. We cannot entertain a spirit of coveting because coveting will lead to resentment and resentment leads to bitterness and bitterness leads to brokenness and brokenness, brokenness leads to all kinds of destructive behaviors like addiction and bondage and even suicide. But we got to get rid of that spirit We've got to get rid of that spirit of coveting from our life when the devil tries to bring that on us. And I know that waiting is very challenging, but we've got to maintain a spirit of grace as we wait and know this, that God is not a respecter of persons and your time is coming. Your time of blessing is coming and God knows the best way and God knows the best time and God's ways are higher than my ways. And God's understanding is higher and his understanding is greater than my understanding. And God is gonna bless you in the best way at the best time. And I normally can't figure God out, okay? with my little bitty brain. I can't figure out God, so I've got to trust in God. But don't let Pania steal your dream. You've got to ignore Pania. You've got to ignore the devil. You can rebuke him. You've you got to stop listening to him. God isn't going to give you a Pania blessing. God is going to give you a personal blessing. God is, you, don't have to, you don't have to covet Pania's blessing. God's got a blessing for you. God's got a breakthrough for you. God's got a new beginning for you if you'll trust in him, if you'll believe in him. Your time, your day is coming. So one year at the tabernacle, after the sacrificial meal, 
after Paniah had laughed and made fun of Hannah, here's what Hannah did. She was in deep anguish. She went to seek the Lord in prayer, and Hannah told the Lord, she said, Lord, if you will give me a son, I will give that son back to you. I will not only dedicate him to you, but Lord, I will give him back permanently, and I will allow him to come to the, to the tabernacle. I will allow him to come to Shiloh and be raised by the priest. I will, I will give him fully back to you. And while Hannah prayed, she was so distressed that the Bible says this, Eli, the, 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 the high priest, thought that Hannah was drunk. He reprimanded her for her drunkenness. But Hannah assured Eli that she was not drunk, but she was simply asking the Lord to answer her prayer. And here's what Eli told her. He said, go home in peace. The Lord has answered your request. We serve a miracle-working God. And in God's time, God is going to give you your blessing. And in God's time, God is going to give you your breakthrough. He's going to give you that new beginning that you've been seeking. But thirdly, you've got to trust God to work out the details. Amen. Trust God to work out the details. Elkanah and his family returned to their home. And God performed a miracle because that year Hannah conceived and she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel. And this is what the Bible says. Let's skip down to verse number 21 of that same chapter. The next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle. I will leave him there for the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. And stay, there, stay here for now and may the Lord help you to keep your promise. So she stayed home. She nursed the boy until he was weaned. And when the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. And they brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. And after, after sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me, Hannah asked. I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago. That lets you know it was a few years. Several years ago, praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy. He's granted the request, and now I'm giving, giving him back to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life, and they worship the Lord there. Hannah followed through with her promise. The Bible doesn't, doesn't tell us how old Samuel was, but the Bible says he was weaned, and that scripture says that it was several years later. I don't know how old he was. Maybe he was seven, maybe he was eight. Maybe he was 10 years old. I don't know. But the Bible says that several years had passed. But Hannah did this. She followed through with her promise. Understand this morning, God will always follow through with his promises to us. You say, well, I've been praying for a long time and, and God hasn't followed through with the promise yet. You know why? Because God is working out the details in his own way. You see, we, we get a plan and we say, God, here's my plan. Now do it, God, and if you don't, I'm going to curse you. I'm going to be disappointed, but God, you got to trust God. God is working out the details in his own time, in his own way. You say, well, I don't like it. Well, get over it, because he's God. <laughs> I preached a sermon several years ago. I said this, the problem with God is he thinks he's God. 
You say that's sacrilegious. No, he thinks he is God. He's God. He's going to work. God is going to move like he sees fit. And we've got to trust God to work out the details in his time and in his means. God will always keep his promises. It will be in God's perfect time. It will be in God's perfect way. He doesn't always work like I think he does. But God is going to work it out because he will keep his promises. And the Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us this about our vows. I had a pastor who used to continually quote this verse of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. For God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises that you make. My pastor used to say continually, it is better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. Remember that, Debbie? Better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. Hannah kept her promise to the Lord. God keeps his promises. We got to keep our promises to God. That's the last thing I want to talk to you about. Keep your promises to the Lord. Hannah's vow was not easy to keep, but Hannah followed through with her promise. She followed through with her vow. Here's what we do. We make a lot of vows to God, and we don't follow through. You know why we don't? Because we're not expecting God to give us an answer. So we just promise God all kinds of stuff. I got people all the time I meet. I dropped this a long time ago. You saw me drop it, okay? I meet people all the time and I'm going to move out, move out of camera, so I'm going to get back on the stage, okay? I meet people all the time. They say, Pastor Bob, as soon as I win the lottery, I'm paying the church off. <laughs> You're a liar. Because <laughs> you, you won't even tithe on the $200 you make or the $500 you make or the $1,000 you make, so you ain't not going to tithe when you win the lottery. Everything else is going to take priority. We got to be careful of the vows that we make God will always keep his promises, so you and I have got to keep the promises that we make. Let's not be careless with our promises. Let's not be careless with the promises we make to other people. You say, Pastor Bob, you promised me something a long time ago, and you haven't done it. Would you remind me of it? <laughs> Would you, re if I have done that, please come to me and remind me of it so I can follow through with it. Okay, because I want to keep my promises. I want to keep my promises to, to individuals. I want to keep my promises to my wife. I want to keep my promises to my children. They're all writing their list down right now. They're... All that stuff. I want to keep my promises especially to the Lord because the Lord keeps all of his promises to me. He works out all the details in his time and in his way. I got to trust in him. Keep my promises let me read a couple more verses of scripture to you. Samuel chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 19 says this. And each year, so his mother took him to the temple. His mother, Hannah, took Samuel to the temple. Each year, Hannah made a small coat for him, Samuel. She brought it to Samuel when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. And be, before they re returned home, Eli would, would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave to the Lord. And the Lord blessed Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Every year, Elkanah took his family to Shiloh. 
They made the annual sacrifice. You know, before Samuel was born, it was a painful experience to go to the tabernacle because that mean other wife was going to make fun of her. But after she gave Samuel to the Lord, it became a joyful experience to go to the tabernacle. She looked forward to going to Shiloh because she knew at Shiloh she was going to be reunited with her son. And she went there. She went there every year. They would go. Every year she'd bring a, a coat of a, of, a, of a larger size. She'd bring that to him. And then before they left, Eli would bless, Eli was the priest, he would bless Hannah and Elkanah, saying, the Lord, bless them. Give them more children. She has given her son. Now, Lord God, bless and allow her to conceive. That's exactly what happened. God blessed her in his time. Samuel grew up as a priest, he was the first prophet. You can study scripture, you'll find he was the first, first prophet in Israel. He anointed King Saul. When God rejected King Saul, he went and anointed David when David was just a boy to be the new king. Samuel advised kings, he rebuked kings, he was a judge of prayer and perseverance. Samuel is mentioned as one of the heroes, heroes of faith in Hebrew chapter 11. Samuel became a great man of God. In fact, he would be considered the greatest judge in the entire history of Israel. You might be waiting for your blessing. And some of you are waiting for your blessing. Some of you are waiting for your, your breakthrough in your life. And you got this certain thing that you want God to do. But God is working. And God is moving in your life right now. Even though you can't see it, God is working. And we got to trust in God because God is going to work out all the details in his time and in his way and with his understanding. And God knows what is best for me. God is working. So let me encourage you this morning as you're waiting for your new beginning, continue in faithfulness. Continue in grace. Grace, don't argue and fight with Panina. But be faithful and consistent and silent, just like Hannah, because your new beginning is coming. Your new beginning is coming. I'm closing. Let me end with this story. And I know my mother is delighted for me to tell this story today. Those of you that are taking medicine, it's 1059 right now. Okay. Debbie, you got that pill you need to take. <laughs> She said, I got to take this antibiotic at 11 o'clock. Your time, babe, your time has come. But uh, my parents, you know, you can look at how old I am and say, man, that was a long time ago when your parents got married. That's a long time ago. And when my parents got married, uh, you know, you would get married and then boom, within like a year, you'd have children right off the bat. And so my parents got married, and uh, first year, no children. Second year, no children. Third year, no children. So people start talking to my mom and dad. It's like, hey, when are you guys going to start your family? What's going on? Are you all having some problems? And mom said that she would cry. She'd talk to the Lord about it. She actually went to a doctor, and a doctor examined her, and uh, told her that 
it would be impossible for her to conceive and have a baby. Said the only hope was a surgery that possibly could move some of her organs around and she would be able to conceive and have a child. Other than that, it's impossible. And so my parents were into their fourth year of marriage. And it was July. They went to a camp meeting in Little Rock, Arkansas. I called my mom yesterday and got all the details. Went to a camp meeting, July, Little Rock, Arkansas. And the preacher got up that night and he preached a sermon. And at the end of the sermon, my mom, for 50 years, was the piano player in the church. And that night at the camp meeting in Little Rock, Arkansas, my mom was on the platform playing the piano like she usually did. End of the service. She didn't know my dad had took, taken a prayer cloth. You say, what's a prayer cloth? Get your Bible out and read Acts chapter 19. You say, well, we don't believe in prayer cloths. Well, it's right there in the Bible. Acts chapter 19. You'll read it. So he got a prayer cloth and called several of the ministers. My mom's playing it. She don't even know what's happening. Called several of the ministers to come there. And they come up there and he told my mom, he said, or told those ministers, he said, we've been wanting to have a baby. We've been trying to have a baby. And the doctor said, it's impossible. So they laid their hands on that prayer cloth and they believed and they prayed together that night. And uh, they went home from the revival or not, probably, I don't know if you went home, went to a hotel or wherever. You were living in Arkansas at the time, weren't you? I mean, whatever. Pastoring down there. They went back and my dad told them what they had done. They had prayed over that prayer cloth. The, the, the cloth isn't significant, is not significant. What's significant is a prayer. It's the touching God. That's what that's a significant part. You know? And so she took that thing and she pinned it onto her nightgown that night and went to bed. And the next morning, she said, I felt a twitch in my body. And she said, I she said, I told. Robert, she said, I think God healed me last night. Wow, really something. Well, it was something, because nine months and one day later, my sister was born. Listen, God is a miracle-working God. God, is, God. God will work out the details in his time. Now, I know that there are women who would love to have children. They're unable to conceive I've got some good friends that went to church with us for many long years. They could not have a baby. God allowed them to have something like 100 foster children. And then in the course of that time, they adopted several of them as their own sons and daughters. You see, God, waiting is not a problem for those of us that are not waiting. But at one time in our life, every one of us is going to find ourselves waiting. We're waiting for a breakthrough. We're waiting on things to get better. We're waiting on our time. We're waiting on the next chapter to begin. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't waste your time listening to Pania. Don't argue with Pania. There's going to be those Panias that's going to laugh at you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to make fun of you. They don't understand you. They don't understand your faith. They don't understand your trust in God. Just ignore them. And look to God, because God is going to work it out in his time and in his way. God is going to work it out. I'm trusting in you, Lord. I'm believing in you, Lord. 
And if I make you a promise, and if I make you a vow, Lord, I'm going to follow through with that promise. Lord, because you all always follow through for me, I am going to be dependable. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be consistent, and I'm going to follow through with my promise. Would you stand with us today? Let's close with prayer, and then we'll spend some time in, in praise and worship and praying for folks today. If you need prayer, please come today. God is able. <laughs> Someone said, oh, that, that's, that don't exist anymore. Well, might not exist for you, but God has healed me. God has saved my life. God has brought me off a deathbed at least two different times. God has raised me up. God has raised me up. He's healed my children, and the Lord is able today. If you don't know Christ, your Savior, come. We'll pray with you today. If you need whatever you need today, you need a miracle in your life, in your home, in your marriage, with your children, come. We'll pray with you today. But God bless you. Let's close with this prayer, and then we'll go in the next portion, the next time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, today that you're with us. And God, even though we don't realize it, even though we don't see it, God, you're working. God, you're moving in your own time, in your own way. God, you're working. And Lord, we're trusting in you. God, there's folks here today, and they're discouraged, and they're despondent, and they've cried out in the middle of the night, but Lord, we got to hold on to you. We got to hold on to your promises in this season of waiting. Help us today to trust in you, to believe in you, to not listen to the taunts, not listen to the, to the lies, but to stand upon you, to stand upon your word, your promises. And God, to keep our promises. We thank you, Lord, for these things in Christ's name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Would you do that today? Amen. Hey, let's sing and...